For the Sacramento Kings to get to where they want to be, everybody on this roster has to step up. But I'm going to share with you why I feel that Malik Monk is a top three most important player to the future success of the Sacramento Kings right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News, and we've officially made it to the off part of the offseason. Now, the Sacramento Kings still have some moves to make. They still have two roster spots uh, and a, a two way contract slot to fill. So they're not totally done making moves, and the NBA is not fully going to disappear for the next couple of months with big potential trades looming on the horizon, especially with the future of Damian Lillard. I don't expect the Sacramento Kings to be involved in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes in any capacity, certainly not going to try and trade for Dame and likely not as a third team in a Miami Heat, Portland Trailblazers blockbuster deal. So I expect the fireworks and even the sparklers are over for the Sacramento Kings for this offseason, which is okay. It's been a very, very solid offseason, even if you're maybe not too happy about the Kings essentially running it back. That's where the Sacramento Kings are at at this point. That's the decision that they've made. They've spent basically all of their money. They do have options with like vet minimum contracts and things like that, and obviously still have roster spots to fill. And we're going to talk about a potential uh, name that could fill one of those final roster spots, a fan favorite name, Harry Giles. We'll talk about him uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But really, we know what this team is. We know that for the most part, this team is bringing the same group back with the addition of some solid rotational uh, impact players. And I emphasize rotational because as much as, as Sacramento Kings fans are excited about Sasha Vizenkov, he's not a starter, at least right away. He's going to have to earn that spot. And I personally would be very surprised if at any point during the regular season, other than injury reasons, he gets a starting opportunity. I think Sasha Pazenkov is clearly coming to Sacramento to join the Sacramento Kings rotation to be a very, very valuable asset off the bench. Anytime you can bring up a EuroLeague MVP off your bench who can space the floor, who can cut question marks on the defensive end, but we could say the same thing about multiple guys on this roster. That's a big win for the Sacramento Kings, plus the addition of Chris Duarte, who I think is going to be a solid rotational piece. With the exception of those two, Maybe Colby Jones, although I think he's going to have to work pretty hard to 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 insert his his way into the rotation consistently. This team is basically the same, and that's a good thing in my opinion because last year's team was fantastic. They were a third seed for a reason. Granted, forty eight wins was a third seed last year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if forty eight wins is a fifth seed or sixth seed this year with just the state of the Western Conference. We'll have to wait and see. But the Kings are determined to not just become a team that opens a championship window and starts winning playoff series and making deep playoff runs. They pointed out, I think it was Monty McNair that pointed out, it might have been Mike Brown, I can't remember, but I believe it was Monty McNair that pointed out at the end of the season that 
part of being a championship contender is also being a 50 plus win team. So this Kings team is looking for a two win improvement minimum on this season. Now, if they don't get it, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. That doesn't mean that it's a failure of a season by any means, but no matter what the Sacramento Kings do, if they're going to accomplish anything, if they're going to get to where they want to be, it's as a, as a team, as a core, they're going to have to improve. I think that's a major aspect of bringing this group back is how much can this team improve? How much better can this team get now that they've spent over a full season together? Now that they've been in the trenches of a seven-game playoff series against a defending champion team? Like, how much better can they get? Are they on the same page? Can they start to develop into, instead of having to think where the other wants the ball and think what the other is going to do, they can just naturally react and trust that those people are going to be in the spots that we expect them to be in. That's what the Golden State Warriors have done, right? The Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry doesn't have to think about where Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are on the floor. Like, he knows where they are. They all know where each other uh, is at all times. That's just, they've been together so long. I'm not saying the Kings can develop that kind of chemistry in the second year, but you can get closer to that. So that's an aspect of this team getting better. But also, individually, you expect a lot of different guys to step up. I spent time earlier this offseason already talking about Keegan Murray taking that next step, becoming the third leading scorer for the Sacramento Kings, how I think that's going to be essential to Sacramento's success, especially in the playoffs, having another go-to scorer. And I think Keegan Murray is capable of making that jump this year and is going to have opportunity to do so. But of course, it's not just all on Keegan. I still think De'Aaron Fox can make a jump. I'm going to talk about this more in a future episode of Locked on Kings at some point, but can De'Aaron Fox flirt with 30 points per game? Can De'Aaron Fox be the guy that when fourth quarter Fox mode uh, activates that he's already at 20 points and that surges him up to 35 or 40 points, not every single night, but on any given night. Like we saw that he can be the guy to carry the Sacramento Kings, but at times, I'm not saying he coasted early on, but it it appeared that De'Aaron was more passive and conservative of his energy early in games. And then it was in the second half where he'd really take over. If that works for him, great. I'm not saying De'Aaron Fox has to massively improve. I'm saying he can. He is capable of improving, I think, slightly, especially as a overall scorer and points-per-game leader on this Kings team without taking opportunity and taking the ball away too much from any of his teammates, right? Of course, we expect Demonte Sabonis to improve. We want to see him knock down that mid-range jumper with confidence. We want to see him uh, do a lot better job against... uh, strong rebounding bigs. We want to see uh, that teams can't take away his effectiveness as easily. I won't say easily, as effectively as the Golden State Warriors did. Or when the Kings do play the Warriors and the Warriors try that again, does Sabonis look like he's figured out how to handle that? Everybody on this roster can improve. Everybody needs to make marginal improvement. I think Malik Monk is a absolute key to the success of the Sacramento Kings this season. Now he was last year. A lot of what made the Kings so good last year was the energy that Malik Monk provided with the second unit. Although Malik's minutes staggered so much with De'Aaron Fox, DeMondis Savonis. I mean, Malik Monk was truly a sixth man in the sense that he fit in with both units, had pretty much a similar role with both units and could do so effectively. What held Malik Monk back at times was the same thing that holds a lot of players back in this league, which is consistency. Malik would be red hot. Remember Band-Aid Monk at the beginning of the season? Man could not miss. He was phenomenal. And then he'd go through stretches where maybe the offense wasn't so great. 
in terms of offenses, actually his numbers went down from the Los Angeles Lakers the year before to the Sacramento Kings. Now they went down very slightly while he was also taking on a significantly different role on a winning basketball team versus the Los Angeles Lakers, where he was just out there to kind of shoot and score. So to me, I think if, if we're looking at most important players to the long-term success of the Sacramento Kings, sure, but to the accomplishment of this team's goal, which is becoming a 50-win team, winning a playoff series, putting themselves in championship contention as early as next season, I think Malik Monk might be the third most important player on this roster. Demonte Sabonis is number one. I've made that very clear. Doesn't mean he's the best. I'm not saying that he's better than De'Aaron Fox. When it comes to most important player, DeMontis Sabonis is number one. That's not debatable because of how much the Sacramento Kings run and operate through Sabonis, really on both ends of the floor, but especially offensively. De'Aaron Fox is, of course, number two because he puts the team on his back. Fourth quarter Fox, he's clutch. He's won. I can't tell you how many games he almost single-handedly won for the Kings last season. I expect that to continue. One and two are a lock. If you want to change the order and put Fox most important one and Sabonis most important two, be your be my guess, right? It's it's those two guys at the top. Three is up for debate, and I think it's in between two names. Maybe three if you want to include Kevin Herter, but I don't think so. I think it's between it's between Keegan Murray and Malik Monk. Now, I think eventually it will be Keegan Murray, but Next season, Keegan going into his second year. I truly believe Malik Monk is the third most important player on this roster. Monk is, Monk provides as close to 48 minutes of De'Aaron Fox as you can possibly get. And what I mean by that is De'Aaron's never going to play all 48 minutes. But you want to have that De'Aaron Fox impact on a game for 48 minutes. And the De'Aaron Fox impact is when he's on the floor, the Kings are playing a certain way, the ball is moving, they're a constant threat in transition, they're a constant threat attacking the basket, spacing is always going to be a plus and always going to be taken advantage of. When De'Aaron Fox is on the floor, it opens up all of that for the entire team. Everybody reacts and the game is affected by De'Aaron Fox's presence. Now, De'Aaron is probably going to play upwards of 37, 38, maximum, hopefully consistently 40 minutes a night for the Kings. He can at times go all 48, and the Kings might need him at times to go all 48, but that's not exactly a, 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 a good strategy for long-term success, especially if the Kings are trying to put themselves in a position to make a deep playoff run. Plus, the Sacramento Kings were lucky fortunate, whatever word you want to use, to stay as healthy as they stayed last season. Even though De'Aaron Fox, unfortunately, hurt his hand in the playoff series, and he did miss a handful of games. Sabonis missed a few games. I think it's fair to assume, or at least the Sacramento Kings should prepare themselves with the belief that De'Aaron and Sabonis and other guys are not going to be as healthy and available during the regular season as much as they were last season. So that means different guys have to step up. So what do I mean when I say 48 minutes of Fox uh, of, of having De'Aaron Fox's presence and Monk being the closest you get to that? Because when Malik Monk is in the game, he can provide energy, ball pressure, tempo, playmaking, and scoring all of which De'Aaron Fox provides, of course, and then some. But to me, Malik Monk is the guy that when De'Aaron Fox is taking a breather, 
you can put your trust in to run the sacrament to run the team and know that essentially you're going to be playing the exact same way. Now, the drop-off between De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk is significant. As much as I love Malik, we know he's a very, very good role player. He more than he's more than capable of being a starter on this team. I've shared with you how much I'm I'm pleased with his role being a six-man. I have no issue with it. But he's definitely a starting caliber player. He is. So, but he's not on De'Aaron Fox's level, right? That's not a hot take. That's just the truth. That's just that's just a reality. I mean, that's not debatable. That doesn't mean that he's a bad player and De'Aaron Fox is a great player. But what De'Aaron provides, the presence that De'Aaron Fox has, Malik Monk can at least continue and carry over a lot of that because of the energy that he brings. He's a constant threat to score at all times. He can attack the basket. He also can hit the outside shot. He can push the tempo. He can play, make, and run the offense, even more so at times than De'Aaron Fox does. Like You realize that De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk shared the floor a lot together last season. With Mike Brown's rotation of bringing De'Aaron Fox out of the game first, which is crazy to me that you would bring Fox, substitute Fox out of the game first, but it was a rotation that worked to, to make sure Fox was available for heavy minutes towards the end of games and in the fourth quarter. But when Fox would come back in, typically he was sharing the floor for a good portion of time with Malik. And during that time, Malik was at least 50-50 splitting playmaking responsibilities with De'Aaron. Malik opens up De'Aaron's ability to play off the ball, which is never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Malik can provide a lot of what De'Aaron Fox provides when De'Aaron Fox is in the game and out of the game. To me, Malik Monk should absolutely be on the sixth man of the year ballot next year. But he doesn't have to be there as a scorer. Like I said, we know Malik is capable of of exploding offensively at any given time, right? Look at the, uh, what was it, 45-point performance or something like that that he had in the Los Angeles Clippers crazy uh, double overtime win. Like, we we know Malik can get hot. And he took over a lot of offensive responsibilities for the Kings when they struggled to score in the Golden State Warriors playoff series. So we know Malik can score and be an offensive weapon for Sacramento, but that doesn't have to be his primary role. Like I think most teams have used him and how people have labeled Malik when he came into the league. Malik was the leading scorer for that Kentucky team with De'Aaron Fox. Fox was still the guy there and his draft selection and draft, like him being selected fifth is reflective of that. But Malik Monk is capable of being that offensive weapon at any time, but he's not limited to that. I thought Malik Monk's passing this season was something that really opened my eyes. Not just his playmaking, but his passing ability. How, how, one, flashy he is, and how much he has a flair for passing at times, which was a lot of fun. But two, his instincts and his reactions and his ability to play two-man game with bigs. He had a really good two-man game at times with Chemezi Metu. Really, really good. He had a good two-man game with a lot of forwards. Uh, Good two-man game at times with Trey Lyles, too. Like, Malik has a natural playmaking ability that he even said he could tap into in Sacramento more than any point in his career because Mike Brown was allowing him to be himself. Malik naturally is an offensive weapon on multiple tiers. A threat to score from the perimeter, a a threat to score at the rim and a threat to get his teammates involved at any times at at all times. I think if Malik Monk 
finds a way to stay where he's at as a scorer, but improve as a playmaker. I think he's absolutely in the sixth man of the year conversation with how important he is to the Kings, assuming the Kings are continuing to win. And I'm telling you, I think the Sacramento Kings are a better basketball team if Malik Monk stays at his 13 points per game, but his assists go from just shy of four to maybe in the five or six range. Malik was the third leading, had the third most assists or averaged the third most assists per game on this Kings team last season. He's capable of doing it. And I can see that being a primary role of his while also being a constant and consistent threat to score. Last season, Monk averaged 13 points per game, shot 44% from the field, 35% from three-point range, 88% from the free-throw line. Like I mentioned, 3.9 assists per game, 2.6 rebounds, 1.9 turnovers. It, he doesn't need drastic improvement in any category for the Sacramento Kings to be a better basketball team. He doesn't. Like I said, you, you bump that assist per game by one. You bump your scoring by one. Avoid your scoring. Even if your scoring stays the same, you bring that three-point shooting percentage up from 35 to 37. The Kings are a better basketball team immediately because of that. And it has more of an impact than just Malik's individual numbers. It has an impact on how the Sacramento Kings, especially offensively, are playing because of the threat that he is. Because how defenses have to respect the different abilities that he has. To, to me, Malik Monk is absolutely essential to the success of the Kings if they want to make a deep playoff run. And I'm telling you right now, Monk is going to be 100% a top priority in free agency next offseason. I think he's making like $8 million a year or something this year. He's making chump change compared to what he's worth and what his role is here in Sacramento. He's going to get a big payday. I hope it's from the Kings. I hope the Kings retain him. There's more than enough reasons to talk ourselves into why Malik Monk would want to stay here in Sacramento, the chief amongst them being his best friend and De'Aaron Fox is right here. But there are going to be other teams that are absolutely going to be vying for Malik's services. I think we're going to look at Malik Monk and free agency the same way to maybe a little more valuable to how we looked at like Josh Hart in free agency this season. Even though he stayed with the New York Knicks, there were a ton of teams that would have loved to have Josh Hart. Right. And how many Sacramento Kings fans were like, oh my God, if Josh Hart were here in Sacramento, if the Kings had found a way to get Josh Hart, this team's amazing. Right. I think there are going to be a lot of fan bases and there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to feel that way about Malik Monk next offseason. So the Kings have to make sure that they're in a position to retain him, which of course they are in a significantly easier position now that they've already extended uh, DeMontis Sabonis. But if the Kings are going to be successful next, next year, so much of it is going to fall on the consistent ability of Malik Monk to carry the torch, so to speak, and extend the overall effectiveness of De'Aaron Fox. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy the way it was meant to be played. The way it works, you pick two to six players, like when, when NBA basketball returns, you can do this with the WNBA right now. You can even do this with MLB baseball if you want. Pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection. If you get it right, you can win up to 25 times your money. You're not competing against any other people. It's just you versus the projections available, so you don't have to worry about any of those sharks that are out there or, or, or people that make their living off of uh, beating you in what's supposed to be a fun kind of side hobby uh, to enjoy sports a little bit more. 
Prize Picks offers projections on almost every single sport you can think of. In addition to the NBA, of course, with NFL football coming, they'll have a ton of great stuff for the NFL. Uh, they have college athletics from football, basketball, men's and women's basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, combat sports, MMA, boxing. They have it all, even Euro basketball and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They're safe. Uh, they offer safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com. When you sign up to play daily fantasy sports, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on, all one word at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, I've seen the talk about Harry Giles. I know he held a workout uh, in Las Vegas during summer league. I think it was in Las Vegas. And there were different scouts and, and teams that were present. We had no word on if there were any Sacramento Kings representatives that were in attendance or not. Haven't heard any inkling of that, which makes me think maybe there weren't. We did see Sacramento reporters there like Sean Cunningham from Fox 40 and, and the Kings Beat podcast. He's uh, always all over things there. So he was out there and actually spent some time speaking with Harry Giles. And this has reignited a flame in a lot of Kings fans, right? Because Harry Giles is a fan favorite. He'll always be a fan favorite. And it's so funny how Harry Giles' story kind of went here in Sacramento because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, when the Kings drafted Harry Giles, like an old tweet or something surfaced of him saying something bad about Sacramento or why would you want to go to Sacramento or play in Sacramento or something like that. And he, I mean, over the time and over his time in, in, in Sac, not only was he, I mean, just an awesome person. Like he really connected with the Kings fan base, which I thought was well done by him. I mean, he's a, as far as I know from the interactions, the limited interactions that I've had with him, I mean, he's just gives off nothing but kind of positive vibes, positive energy, a uh, very kind, very nice guy. And he's trying to work his way back into the league. So Kings fans are sitting here saying, we got two roster spots. We love Harry Giles. He was sitting courtside at one of our playoff games. Like, why not bring Harry Giles back? So I thought, let's look at this a little bit. Realistically, we're talking about an end of the bench spot. If the Kings bring Harry Giles back, it says your backup four, backup five, backup, backup, backup four, backup five. It's 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 depth, right? He's behind Alex Len. He's behind Trey Lyles. He's behind Sasha Vizenkov. He's obviously behind DeMontis Sabonis. He's obviously behind Keegan Murray. He's behind Harrison Barnes if you want to play him as a small ball four. Like, Harry Giles is barely sniffing the floor. But let's look at the pros and cons of this, right? Because... You don't just have depth for the sake of having depth. You have depth because if you need it and you need to call upon it, it's available for you and it, and it can help you and step up. So let's look at the pros first. The best skill that Harry Giles has, other than his, his people skills, is his passing. Harry Giles is an excellent passer. And it's easy to imagine, okay, take Sabonis out for spot minutes or maybe, knock on wood, Demontis Sabonis is hurt. Let's say Demontis Sabonis is hurt and the Kings have to adjust their starting lineup. And let's say they start, I think they'd start Alex Len in this scenario, but let's just say they start Trey Lyles as a small ball five. Well, maybe then they continue with Harry Giles as a small ball five in spot minutes. And you can use Harry Giles in the high post, running the ball through Harry Giles with his, uh, his, his you could run him using DHOs. You could have him uh, like hit cutters and, and things of that nature. He's not going to be as good, of course, as Sabonis is. He's not. But 
he can do in terms of passing and playmaking, he can do much of what Sabonis provides. You can play the same way offensively through your big with Harry Giles out there that you could with DeMontis Sabonis. At least I think you could because that's how good Harry Giles is as a passer. So I, I see that as a massive pro. In fact, I see that as the main reason for why the Kings should have maybe a little bit of interest in Harry. Harry's also an energy guy. The energy that he brings, like he's that enforcer. He was that enforcer at times. Granted, the Kings were a bad basketball team, so I'm not saying like, I'm not saying it necessarily worked all the time. Nobody blamed Harry Giles, I think, for the Kings' struggles when he was here in Sacramento. But the energy that Harry would provide at times, obviously the Kings crowd reacted to it. Like I, I think he could provide a nice energetic spark with guys like Malik Monk off the bench if his number is called. Um, if if again he's an end of the bench guy, but if he if he's needed to come in, he can provide energy, provide kind of a burst for Sacramento. Rebounding is question mark. I'm not putting that in, a, in as a pro or a con. I think rebounding is something that he'd be expected to do, and I don't know if he'd be able to do that. I know rim protection. It's not really his game, but there's not a lot of guys on this roster where it is their game, so I'm not going to really put that as a con. I'm just going to, again, put that kind of as a meh or, or question mark. And, of course, like major pro is how much of a crowd favorite he is. It's a fun story. It's an absolutely fun story to see him return. Let's talk about the cons, though. When Harry Giles was here in Sacramento, in addition to rumors and reports that he didn't always put in the work necessary and didn't show up necessarily to training camp in the best shape. I don't know if he's passed that or not. I can't really confirm that. Those are just reports and rumors and conversations that have been had about Harry Giles here in Sacramento during and since his time. So I don't know. Remember Vladi Divac elected not to uh, pick up his, his team option. And then he ended up leaving Sacramento and going to Portland for, I think a season. In addition to that, Harry really struggled with staying out of foul trouble. He really struggled defending without fouling. And I can kind of combine this as a con. His defense and his fouling could be something that even when he gets limited opportunities on the floor can keep him off the floor. I don't think it's going to be something that massively hinders him or massively hinders the team. But that was always something that he struggled with uh, when he was here in Sacramento. And we haven't seen if, if he's improved on that. In fact, that's the final con is we haven't seen him since the 2020-2021 season. And he barely played for the Portland Trailblazers that season too. He's been out of the league. And remember, the Sacramento Kings are trying to improve. They're trying to build a championship roster here. Now, when you're looking at spots 13 and 14 and 15 on a roster, like you don't need championship caliber players necessarily, right? You don't need 15 guys that are absolutely going to be championship uh, caliber players. You don't. I mean, let's be realistic here. But you would like to have guys that, once again, you're confident in if you can call their number, if you need to call their number, that they will provide what you need from them. I think there are other options out there with more NBA experience who have been in the league more recently than Harry is that have the trust of Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings would be looking at, and I couldn't necessarily name names off the top of my head, but I mean, if you go through most of like an NBA free agency list, there are names in there that fit those molds that I think the Kings will be looking at before they look at Harry Giles. Truth be told to me, I think it's a very romanticized topic, just like DeMarcus Cousins returning to Sacramento is a very romanticized topic. I think the likelihood of it happening is actually very, very low. I would, of course, not hate to see Harry Giles back here in Sacramento. I do think there are better options out there. 
I don't know if the Kings can even afford better options with the, the situation that they're in. And I also, I just don't think it's truly under the consideration of the Sacramento Kings. I wish Harry the best. I hope he gets an opportunity back in the league. We'll see if he does. I just don't think it's going to be in Sacramento, but maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. If you're a huge Harry Giles fan, you think absolutely, Matt, he needs to be here, or maybe you're not a Harry Giles fan, but you're like, no, I think he could help. Let me know how you're feeling. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Before we wrap up, Steph Curry, you might have seen, won the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament up in Lake Tahoe. This is an incredible event. If you ever get the opportunity to go up to Tahoe for this event, even if you're not interested in golf, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Steph Curry and his father and his brother uh, play every single year. Dell, Steph, and Seth always play together. Steph won it this year. And it's it's like, I'm a golfer. I'm a bad golfer. I'm a hobby golfer. It's not freaking fair how talented Steph is at seemingly everything that he does. It's really, truly not fair. Why am I bringing this up? Because one, I think De'Aaron Fox and Rain were out there at one point over the weekend to watch the tournament. Uh, the captions on Twitter said su supporting Steph, which I don't know if he was there to support Steph or just there to watch golf. I don't know. Um, but also, after he won the tournament, he was asked about Warriors fans that come to Tahoe that are always there cheering on Steph. And uh, he ended up taking the, the answer in a pretty interesting direction. Take a listen. Hey, hey Steph, it, it sure uh, seemed uh, obvious that you were the favorite out there among the fans. I mean, with your tenure with the Golden State Warriors, and a lot of that's the person you are, too. How did it feel out there with the fans on your side? Yeah, it's a four-hour drive from my house to here. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of – a lot of Warrior fans, surprisingly, there are a lot of King. I mean, not surprisingly, there are a lot of Kings fans, and surprisingly, they were way more loud than, or vocal than the Warrior fans. I heard a lot of light the beam. I heard a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, let's let's go Kings and all that type of stuff. So um, that uh, that gave me a little gas in the tank too, uh, for sure. So, man, that's cool. Like I thought that was cool, and of course, with Tahoe's proximity to to both. San Francisco and to Sacramento doesn't surprise me that both fan bases were up there, but good job Sacramento Kings fans for making your presence known to a point where Steph without being asked about it could, uh, could hear it and feel it and recognize it, which is pretty cool. I think man, we're, we're starting a rivalry. Let's get this rivalry truly started. And the way the NBA can really get this rivalry going is do what needs to be done, which is give the Sacramento Kings and golden state warriors a Christmas day game. I'm demanding it at this point. Make the right decision, NBA. Get that done. Well, you made the right decision, and I'm very thankful for you uh, choosing to uh, listen to this episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. Again, we're in the offseason now. So this is where the, the topics get kind of weird and interesting, and we wait to hear any sort of news and get closer to training camp. We wait for the Kings schedule to drop and stuff like that. Of course, we'll have a conversation on all of that. We will get through this period together. It's the worst part of the year, but we will get through it together. And I appreciate you trusting locked on Kings for your source of Kings talk, Kings news, Kings entertainment, and to help you get through this rough time. One of the things I want to bring back OG listeners, you remember the fans only podcasts, right? I haven't done one of these in years. I would love to do it. It's where I invite Kings fans uh, onto the show to share their story, and I interview you. I talk to you just about your Kings fandom, your thoughts on this Kings roster, your thoughts on the offseason. I would love to do a fans-only episode, at least one, maybe two, over this uh, this offseason period. So if you're interested in that, please 
uh, hit me up. You can email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Let me know that you would be interested in being on fans only and, and, and send a little kind of blurb about yourself, why, uh, or like kind of your King's background and, um, and, and like your King's story a little bit. And I'll try and uh, select a couple for the first episode. Uh, and then depending upon how many we get, I will uh, do some future fans only episodes too. But I have a, a lot of fun doing those. It's been a long time since I've done one. So I would love to bring that back. So if you're interested again, hit me up on uh, my email, matchorgesports at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked On Kings. Until then, you've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>